There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the, the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. Not everyone can be trusted, especially with the care of your newborn infant. On June 10th, 1896, a woman who worked hard to make parents feel comfortable handing over their children was executed for crimes that named her the most prolific serial killer in history. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Amelia Elizabeth Dyer, born sometime in 1836, grew up with her four older siblings in the small village of Pyle Marsh, just east of Bristol in Victorian Britain. She was a child who loved to read and write with aspirations of becoming an author or a poet, but was forced to care for her ailing mother, whose mental state began deteriorating rapidly at the hands of typhus. She witnessed the extreme highs and lows of her mother's disease, including many violent fits where Amelia was the target. And watching her rapid deterioration and inevitable death shaped the person Amelia would grow up to be. And this wasn't the only tragedy Amelia faced during her young life. Her older sister, Sarah Ann, died at the age of six, as did a younger sister, also named Sarah Ann, when she was just a few months old. Following the death of her mother, Amelia went to live with an aunt in Bristol while working as an apprentice with a corset maker before life dealt a final blow to her family in the form of her father's passing in 1859. Now alone, Amelia realized she had to find a man to marry and met a man named George Thomas, who was, at the time, 59 years old. In order to avoid the rumors of their age gap, George deducted 11 years and Amelia added six when they got their marriage certificate. After marrying George, Amelia started to train as a nurse, but had her life changed when she met a midwife named Ellen Dane. Ellen explained to Amelia that there was a much easier way to make a living without going through all the training of becoming a nurse. Using her own home to provide lodgings for women who conceived outside of wedlock, something unacceptable at the time, and then farming out the babies for adoption after birth. Now, as we've learned by now, baby farming can be much more insidious than a simple adoption. We know that those babies rarely make it into their new homes. Ellen was a well-known baby farmer in the area, forced to flee to the U.S. to avoid the authorities, and explained to Amelia how easy it was for a newborn to die from neglect and malnutrition. And if that didn't work, or if a child was particularly demanding, there was a remedy called Mother's Friend, a cordial containing opium. This meant she would receive a pretty hefty upfront payout with very little actual work. Amelia was intrigued, and since the 1934 Poor Law Amendment Act removed any financial obligation from the child's father, unmarried mothers in Britain were desperate for assistance wherever they could find it. But it wasn't just unwed or single mothers who needed the help. Sometimes well-off parents would pay a single fee of around 80 pounds to keep the birth a secret until they were ready to collect the baby, and about 50 pounds could be negotiated if the father wanted to keep his identity a complete secret. And forced to leave nursing because of the birth of a daughter and death of her husband, Amelia began working as a prolific baby farmer. 
At first, Amelia ran a legitimate business, caring for the children. Offering a one-time payment for care for each child, the former nurse earned herself a pretty decent reputation and a lucrative business. And when she married a man named William Dyer in 1872, a man with whom she would have two children and would eventually leave, she was able to tell the nervous mothers that she was a married woman and could provide their children with a safe and loving home. They were comfortable with the situation, as Amelia had all the traits they were looking for when trying to find a way out of their desperate situation. But then, whether intentionally or not, children in Amelia's care started to die from unknown issues. And as the years went on, they started to die at a rate that could no longer be considered an accident. All the while, Amelia just kept pocketing her fees. Which is why, in 1879, a local doctor grew suspicious of the sheer number of deaths he had to certify at Amelia's boarding house. He eventually notified police, but instead of being convicted of murder, she was charged with neglect and made to serve six months hard labor. According to Amelia, something about this experience triggered her mental downfall. And though she attempted to continue her career as a nurse, she spent time in and out of mental hospitals. On the surface, it seemed as though Amelia was struggling with instability and suicidal tendencies. But when looked at with hindsight, there was something very suspicious about her times in the hospital. She was a former nurse and knew exactly how to act to get herself committed. And these visits always seemed to coincide with times it was convenient for her to disappear from society. In 1890, Amelia began caring for the illegitimate baby of a governess. But when the woman came back to check on her baby, she noticed that the child Amelia claimed was hers didn't have his same distinctive birthmark. Worried, she went to police, and when they confronted Amelia, she had, or faked, a mental breakdown to avoid any more questioning, and drank two bottles of laudanum in a suicide attempt. She was able to survive, though, due to her long-term abuse and tolerance of opium, and went straight back to baby farming. Realizing that involving doctors would only cast suspicion her way, she simply started disposing of the bodies herself. Again and again, police were called by desperate mothers looking for their babies. And again and again, Amelia and her family upped and left before they could face any legal actions. In 1893, Amelia left an asylum near Wells, her final committal, and two years later, moved to Berkshire with an associate named Jane Granny Smith. Granny eventually became Amelia's partner in baby farming, told to call Amelia mother in front of the women handing over their child to present the facade that they were a mother-daughter team, further gaining their trust. In January of 1896, Evelina Marmon, a popular local barmaid, gave birth to an illegitimate daughter she named Doris and immediately placed an ad in the papers asking for her adoption. It read, wanted, respectable woman to take a young child. Now, Evelina had every intention of coming back for Doris, wanting to work and save some money to pay for her care. So when she saw an ad right next to hers that read, married couple with no family would adopt a healthy child, nice country home, terms 10 pounds, she thought it was the perfect situation. She contacted a Mrs. Harding a few days later and received a reply from none other than Amelia Dyer. She agreed to the deal and, a week later, Mrs. Harding came for Doris and a cardboard box filled with her clothing. 
A few days later, heartbroken by her decision, Evelina received a letter from Mrs. Harding saying that all was well with Doris. But when she wrote back, Evelina received no answer. Instead of traveling to Reading, like Evelina was told, Amelia took Doris back with her to London, where her 23-year-old daughter Polly was living. There, Amelia took some white edging tape, the type used for dressmaking, and wound it around young Doris's neck. She watched on as the infant struggled for breath, later saying, I used to like to watch them with the tape around their neck, but it was soon all over for them. The body was then wrapped in cloth, and a few days later, on April 1st, 1896, another child was given to Amelia. Because she'd used the last of her tape to strangle Doris, she had to remove it to do the same to 13-month-old Harry Simmons. The next day, both bodies were placed in a carpet bag, weighted down with bricks, and thrown into the River Thames. Now, something Amelia didn't know was that, two days before she killed Harry Simmons and three days before she disposed of his and Doris's bodies, a bargeman in the River Thames had picked up a package he saw floating alongside his boat. When he did, he found the body of a baby girl later identified as Helena Fry. Because of this, there was a small detective force already on the case who soon found a faintly legible name on the wrapping paper accompanying the body. It had the name Mrs. Thomas and an address. They were quite literally led straight to Amelia's doorstep, but didn't have enough evidence to connect her to any serious crime. So they placed her under surveillance and used a decoy hoping Amelia would offer her services. She did, and on April 3rd, 1896, Amelia went to meet her newest client and found police raiding her home. As soon as they entered, they were struck by the stench of decomposition. And though no human remains were found, they did find plenty of evidence connecting Amelia to the practice of baby farming. Most damning, though, would be the white edging tape, pawn tickets for the baby clothes she sold, and telegrams regarding adoption arrangements. From what they could figure, based on the bodies found with her signature white tape, in the last few months alone, Amelia had killed at least 20 children in her care, and in total over the course of her 30 years in business, an estimated 400 babies, making Amelia Dyer one of the most prolific serial killers in history, soon to be dubbed the Ogress of Reading. Amelia was arrested on April 4th and charged with murder, with her son-in-law and daughter Polly being charged as her accessories. The Thames was dredged and six more bodies were found, including those of Doris and Harry, and each had been strangled with that signature white tape. According to Amelia, that was, quote, how you could tell it was one of mine. Eleven days after handing her over to Amelia Dyer, Evelina Marmon identified Doris's remains. On May 22, 1896, Amelia pleaded guilty to Doris Marmont's murder and offered up the only defense she could, insanity. But the prosecution proved she used her time in the asylums as a ploy and the jury agreed after just four and a half minutes of deliberation. She was found guilty and sentenced to death. While awaiting execution, she wrote a confession that would exonerate her other accomplices. When walked to the gallows on June 10th, 1896, she was asked if she had any last words. She responded, I have nothing to say, and took her last breath. 
After the case of Amelia Dyer, adoption laws were made stricter and local authorities were given more power to interfere with baby farms in hopes of ending future abuse and murders. Of course, this did not stop the practice entirely. In fact, two years after Amelia's execution, railway workers inspecting carriages in Devon found a package with a three-week-old baby girl still inside. She was cold and wet, but somehow still alive and, when identified by her mother, said she was given to a woman named Mrs. Stewart for 12 pounds. Who was this Mrs. Stewart? A woman named Polly, the daughter of Amelia Dyer. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on June 11th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the Best Sellers Body Care Set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.